felt like the Lord gave me this morning. He, he wants to clean our vision up. He wants us to have clear vision. And, you know, when you're driving down the road, and you know, often your windshield will often get slimed over with bugs and debris and dirt and all kinds of stuff. And you have to cleanse that thing off every so often so that you have proper vision to see ahead. And I felt like the Lord said that he wanted us to all have clear vision. And I, I felt like what he meant from that is, is I wanted to go over the goals of our church, what we're aiming at, and actually these apply to your individual life. And so if you remember, there's three things that are the pillars of our vision for our church. And I think it's very important to have vision. Uh, Proverbs says, with, where there is no vision, the people perish, or where there is no vision, the people throw off restraint. There's something about when we don't have prophetic revelation, when we don't see where we're going, we'll never get there. When God called Abraham, he called him out of his tent, and he said, I want you to look to the north, the south, the east, and the west, and as far as your eyes can see, I will give you the land. Y'all hear that? You want to encounter... Do you want to experience what the Lord has for you? Do you want to take the land that God has for you? You can't take what you don't see. You will only go in God as far as you have revelation. God gave Abraham a promise, but he had to show him. He had to get him to look and to see the promised land before he could take it. And when we don't have vision... We will never take what you don't see. You'll never get what you don't see. The first step in going after something and grabbing it is to see it clearly. And that's why I believe it's the book of Habakkuk says, write the vision down and make it plain that those who read it may run. Right? Man. Right? You know, most churches, they do that. Amen! (laughs) Come on now. Y'all are asleep. (laughs) Thank you, Julie. Thank you. Thank you. Write the vision. There we go. Um, So write the vision and make it plain. I want us to be able to know backwards and forwards what God is saying to us as a church and as individuals so that we make sure that we're pursuing the things that actually matter. Thank you. Wayne, the Lord gave me a word for you, and I almost, and I just, that just, your amen just brought it back to my remembrance. If you'll stay in the closet, the prayer closet, when you come out, you'll come out with the power of Elijah. You'll come out with the power of John the Baptist, and the Lord's calling you. If you will stay in that prayer closet, when you come out, God's going to put a, the anointing of John the Baptist on you to call people into repentance and to bring them and prepare them for the Lord. And, uh, and I believe there's something really remarkable that the Lord wants to do in your life. And as you, it's, it's, there's not an accident that you keep going to that closet up there. And, uh, and I believe the Lord brought that to my attention today. And he's saying, if you'll stay in that place, then when you come out, he's going to use you mightily to reach this generation. So, you're welcome. So, um, 
we got to write the vision. We got to make it plain we, so that we can run. We can read it and run. Now, what is the three things that God's called us to? What's our vision for the church? Okay, the presence of God. Seek the presence of God. That's numero uno. What's the other two? The equipping the saints. I heard a mumble before that, but I didn't know what it was. Community. That's right. We want to be a family. So there's three things. Seek first the presence of God. That is the number one thing, and that's what I'm going to talk to you today about. And then in the following weeks, I want to talk to you about equipping the saints and what that really looks like so that God can give us a vision because God's called every single one of you to be used powerfully to bring his kingdom. Every single one of you. Every single one of you. Even the kids, especially the kids. Especially the kids. And the teenagers. Um, and then the community. We want to be a family, and that's important. And that's actually very spiritual. You know, the first thing God did when he created man was he created a family. First thing. And family is key to who God is. And that's why the devil is so busy trying to destroy it today. He's trying to destroy the nucleus family. Um, one of the things that, um, well, I'm not going to go there. That's a squirrel. It's an important squirrel, but it's not today's squirrel. So we're not going to go there. Never mind. Uh, but the, f- the main thing I want to talk to you about today is what Rick always says is the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, right? And so why are we doing this? Why are you coming to church? Why are we doing it? Think about it. I mean, you know you're supposed to, but, but why? why? What, are, what, are we, what are we doing? Well, that's, yeah, that's good, and we want that. We're assembling ourselves together, and that's, that's wrapped up in, in section two, the, 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 the second and third thing of our vision. But, you know, one of the things in the fall was that we were consumed with selfishness, right? And everything is wrapped up in me, 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 me. And when we come to church, you know, I... I you know, I get it, and I sometimes fall in this place, but when we come to church, and I, I mean, I, I can feel it sometimes. Why is the worship going on so long? Oh, my gosh. Can't we just get to something, to the part that feeds me? I mean, it's okay. I've been there. I understand it. I'm just saying, but what kind of mindset is that in us? And we're all like that. We're selfish. It's about me. What can I... What? Why am I coming here? I'm not getting anything out of it. Do y'all hear that? I hope you can see it in yourself because we all got that in us and we need, it's a, it's a really bad thing. It's a selfish thing. You know, the, the thing that was, was brought in quickly at the fall was man became self-focused. That was the first thing that happened when he ate the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I've talked about this a lot, and I'm going to continue to talk about it because I think there's such powerful revelation for us here. But we've got to get free from that thing. And when we come into here, this right here, this ain't for you. It's for him. I don't have a right to say, hey, this, I'm not getting anything out of this worship right now. 
Now, I want to get things out of the worship, okay? And I'm, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. But that ain't what the worship's about. It's about what is he getting out of it. But the problem is, is that if you don't have eyes of faith, you won't even see that. You'll just be sitting there thinking, man, this is boring. and more, What are we doing? It's because that's all you can see. Is what, is you, what are you getting? You're basing everything that you're experiencing on what you're getting out of it. What if God is getting something out of it? Then maybe we stop, and rather than say, what am I getting out of it? Lord, what can I give you right now? The Scripture over and over again talks about bringing a sacrifice of praise, the thanksgiving of our lips. Lord, I'm sorry for thinking about this is about me at all. Lord, I worship you. I praise you. Thank you for all your goodness. And I can promise you when our focus shifts into that place, the Bible says God inhabits the praises of His people. And that's what we're going after, His presence. All right, so the main thing I want to talk about today is His manifest presence and seeking that first. Okay, if you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Genesis 3. I bet you're surprised that we're turning there. Big shocker, huh? Genesis 3, that's where the fall of man came. I know I've talked about this a lot. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from the tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. That's Satan is being a, a faithful devil. He's faithful at bad. Saying God, he's questioning God's word. Ah, what God says isn't true. You don't really believe that, do you? For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Okay, so the first time they noticed their nakedness, and they're trying to cover, and that's not my message today, but I've talked about that, did that a couple weeks ago, talking about how we cover our nakedness with our own fig leaves. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. That's the thing I want to talk to you about. I'll reread that. They heard the sound, that word sound right there, that's actually voice. They heard the voice of God walking in the garden. That's the Lord Himself. In the beginning was the Word, the communication, the voice of God. Walking in the garden, the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So they, this is the first place we find the Lord talking about the presence of God. And it's Adam and Eve fleeing from it. Now why were they fleeing? They were fleeing because they... Now, we're aware of their own failure, their own shame, their own nakedness, their own failing, their, their sin. They were aware of it. 
weren't aware of anything. They weren't even aware of themselves at all prior to that. But now they've eaten the tree that God told them not to. They've sinned. And they're quite aware of their sin. And they've tried to cover it with fig leaves. And they know that they're like, uh-oh, we didn't obey God. And something's happened. And this ain't good. And fear entered in. So that's where fear comes from. And we find them running from the presence of the Lord. And I want to say to you that we often still run from the presence of the Lord. And that's the main thing that we're seeking is the presence. That word presence there, you know what it means? It means face in the Hebrew. It's the Hebrew uh, in the Strong's Concordance. It's number 6440. It's pronounced Paulim, which means nothing. I mean, we don't speak Hebrew, most of us. But it means the word face. If you look up that word, it's translated different throughout the Old Testament. It's often translated as presence, but it's often translated face. If you look at Isaiah, so in Isaiah 59, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face. That word face, same Hebrew word. Hebrew 6440, Paul So your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. When they sinned, they ran from his presence. There was iniquity actually separated man from God's presence from his face okay that's the same word now we're going to turn over to exodus 33 now when i say his presence i'm talking about his manifest presence y'all know what manifest presence is that's like when god shows up in a way that there is a when he shows when his presence shows up there's something that you feel there's a there's there's a tangible, a tangible intangible. <laughs> it's something that is felt. It's his presence. When his presence shows up, it's, it's amazing. I'm going to talk about the drug of his presence in a minute because that's really, it's, it makes you high in a way, but in a good way, not in a bad way. And that's something that it's okay to be addicted to. Exodus 33, we, here's the picture. Moses goes up to the mountain. God is there. God has come down to talk to Moses. What's amazing is that, and I'm not going deep into this today, but, um, but in verse 11 it says of Exodus 33, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face. Same Hebrew word. Just as a man speaks to his friend, a man speaks to his friend. That's how Moses was encountering God, face to face. His presence, you could, that word is translated presence probably more often, often. And uh, it's also translated face, often. They're, they're interchangeable. There's the presence of the Lord is the face of the Lord. And Moses would meet in his presence. He would go into the tent of meeting and the presence of the Lord would fall. The glory of God would fall on the tent. And when he would come out, they had to put a veil on his face because the glory of the Lord was so intense that he lit up like, a, like the sun. I mean, it was just his face was radiant with glory of God. 
And he'd come out and they would cover his face so that children of Israel wouldn't get freaked out by looking at this man and the glory of the Lord on him. And so the Lord meets with Moses face to face. And uh, Moses would return to the camp and his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. And then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people. But... You yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray you, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you, so that I may find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence, same word, my face, shall go with you, and I will give you rest. The presence of the Lord gives you rest. I'm going to explain that in a minute. And then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, or if your face does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us so that we... I and your people may be distinguished from all the other people who are upon the face of the earth. See, the Lord promised Moses that he would send forth his presence, but Moses was determined that if God's presence did not go with them, he didn't want to go. God was saying, was telling Moses, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this thing, okay? But this thing was amazing. He was going to establish Israel. He was going to do these amazing things in the wilderness for this group of people that he had called out. But Moses' whole focus on there was, Lord, I don't want any of that if your presence isn't in our midst. All those things are great, fine and dandy, but your presence. Why was he saying that? He had a taste. He had a taste. I like to, I like, I like to taste things. Now, I don't drink sodas anymore. Actually, I drink them twice a year, typically. Uh, Christmas and my birthday, I let myself off. Sodas are really not good for you. They really aren't, but they are really, to me, probably the most wonderful drink that has ever been made, and there ain't many sodas I don't like. Uh, they were killing me because I would drink. I liked them so much, I would drink them all the time. I'd go to a movie, and... There's three large sodas during a movie. And I go to a restaurant, and I might drink 12 to 16 glasses of soda. I'm serious. While I was eating, because that was better than the food. It was. I love soda. I was an addict. And I would try, you know, I could tell I was an addict, so I would try not to drink it for a number of days or weeks. And then I, but when I do it, boy, I would do it good. And uh, But there came a point where the Lord, that's another story, but the Lord told me to stop drinking them. Um, and, and I got healed of something when I, as soon as I agreed to not drink them. I mean, I literally, once the Lord, I knew the Lord was telling it to me, I repented for not listening. And, I, and I'm not saying you shouldn't drink sodas. I was abusing it. I mean, have a soda occasionally for a healthy body ain't going to hurt you. But if you're drinking them the way I was drinking them, you're poisoning yourself. I mean, that's just a fact. And, um, and so, you know, if one is good, 20 is better. 
Uh, that was my motto. But as soon as I agreed to the Lord and asked for help and mercy to, to do this, because I knew how difficult it was going to be, um, I, um, I got healed instantly. I, the, the feelings and the symptoms my body was feeling, I, I literally felt them start to move from my feet and go up my legs and come all the way up my body and leave my head. At, right after I repented, I was standing at my kitchen sink repenting because the Lord had spoken to me so supernaturally about this and confirmed this so heavily that I knew I had been in sin for disobeying him and I really repented, also asked for a lot of grace because I knew the, 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 the weight of giving this up and I got healed instantly. It's neither here nor there. It's not the point. The point is, is that when you taste something that's really good, man, you just want it, right? Now, how many know what I'm talking about? Now, for me, it's sodas. For my wife, it's good cake. Like, I, cakes, cakes, you know, cake is, I like cake okay, but it is not my thing, but it's my wife's thing. Huh? Oh, yeah, well, so she says. <laughs> There is nothing like the manifest presence of God. And when you taste of it, you're going to be like Joshua in this verse, that he would stay in the presence. Because God's presence, when you feel it, there's nothing on this earth like being in the presence of God. And if you've not experienced it, you don't know what I'm talking about. You just don't. But if you've ever experienced it, you know there's no high on earth like it. My kids used to, like, Dad, what's wrong with you? I'll be, you know, driving down the road, and all of a sudden I get hit with the presence of the Lord. And I would start weeping. Oh, was I sad? No. I was overwhelmed with something that there's no words to put, there's no way to describe it. It's the presence of God. It was so valuable that Moses said, Lord, I, all these wonderful things that you said you're going to do for us, that's great, but if you don't come with your presence, don't send us up to these things without you. I'm not moving without your presence. So one of the things that we felt like the Lord told us when we were doing this church is that and I don't feel like we've accomplished this yet, okay? So that's why I'm, I want to clear up the vision. Is to make sure that the number one thing that we have here is God's presence. I'm not claiming to have God's presence every Sunday the way I want it. I don't. What I'm saying is I'm seeking it. And I want to have God come in this place. Now, he, the, he promises us that where two or three gather in his name, there he is in the midst. So I know that when believers, sincere believers come together seeking him, there he is. But I believe that there is a hunger that draws God. You know, the Bible promises us that if we draw near to God, he will also draw near to us. I want to experience God. That's what I'm doing this for. I want to experience him. I want us to experience them, both individually, you know, as we're at home and spending time with God, and just or just throughout our day, we're walking in His, and we're being with Him, we're in His presence.
But I want this church to encounter something that maybe the world's never even encountered fully before. Behold, I do a new thing, says the Lord. Didn't he say that? I'm just, I want to paint a picture here. What if we would have a place that God's manifest presence would be here? When you come into this church, you could... F- I remember the watch of the Lord, Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda. Y'all know who that is? They started this watch thing back in the uh, mid-90s, and I started going to it. I would leave Morningstar on Friday night when their service was over, and I would ride over to Bonnie and Mahesh's, and they would have this watch of the Lord where they'd stay up all night and just worship and pray. And you literally, you would get to about 20 or 30 feet of the building, and you would walk into the presence of the Lord. I mean, it was, it was like, like, I'm talking tangible in the sense that you could feel it. I'm not making this up. You would literally walk in, and it's like, whoa. And it's like, oh, I got to get in here. And you go in there, and it was so amazing. Um, this was before they moved, when they were in their little garage. They had a little garage. This was when they first started. They were packed into a very tight garage. <laughs> Uh, but it was, who cared? The presence of God was there. I said, I told my parents, y'all have got to come. And I told my dad, I said, Dad, if you'll be sensitive, you will walk up to the building and you'll feel the Lord way before you get in the building. And I'm watching his face, not telling him where the line is, where I always would feel it, just to see if he could feel it without me telling him when it would hit him. And I'm watching him, and he, he walks up. And he just stops and he says, I feel it. <laughs> it was amazing to see someone else experience the same thing I had been, the same thing I had been experiencing. His presence. There's nothing like his presence. Psalms 27 um, is a wonderful psalm. It's one of my favorites. Psalms 27, Psalms 34, Psalms twen- um, 127 are some of my favorite Psalms. But Psalms 27, um, you find David going through different things, war coming against him, but he says when he's experiencing all these things, he comes to the place, and in verse 4, you see something. He says, One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek. Jesus said, If you ask, you shall. If you seek, if you knock. That's right. God reward those who diligently seek Him. Doesn't it say that in Hebrews eleven six? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For all those that come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So here's David. This one thing I have asked from the Lord, that shall I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in His temple. Oh, to see the Lord. Man, that's what I want. For in the day of trouble he will conceal me in his tabernacle, and in the secret place of his tent he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock, and now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I talked about that just earlier. 
I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, here it is, seek my face, same word, seek my presence. Hebrews 6440, Paul Neem, seek my presence, seek my face. When you said, seek my face, my presence, my heart said to you, your presence, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face, your presence from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. David learned too, because he had tasted it, there's nothing like the presence of the Lord. I want to see, this is, this is what I believe God wants to do in this place. I'm not claiming to have had it, but this is what I believe the Lord wants to do. What would, it be, what would happen if a group of people came in here hungry, desiring God's presence in this place when we come together? What if that was the main thing we're seeking, to be with Him, to experience Him, encounter Him? What would happen if a people began to gather with the hunger to see God come in their midst? You know, that's God's desire, that He would be in our midst. He told the children of Israel that. He said, I'm coming in your midst. And He told Moses, Moses said, if your presence doesn't come with us, don't send us up. In His presence, there's things that happen that absolutely change the game because they change us. His presence is how we're changed. And there's nothing like it. And I believe that we're coming into amazing days where the presence of the Lord is going to be a necessity. It already is, but, but we're going to realize the necessity that it is. That's right. It's one thing I seek. David knew that nothing else really mattered. Moses knew nothing else mattered. Um, let's just look real quick. God wants to restore what Adam lost. Y'all know that? He wants to restore. It's already restored, but what's happening, the veils are being removed from our mind the better we see Him. The more we see Him, the more we dwell in His presence, the veils are being removed, and we're seeing Him better, and we're being transformed into that image that we see. I've preached that a hundred times here. Seeing Him is how we're transformed, but the way that we see Him is His presence, being in His presence. Darkness can't handle the presence of God. You ever heard of a snake line on a mountain? How many know what a snake line is? One, two, three. Really? There's a snake line. If I understand this correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it has to do with the altitude, right? Yeah. There's certain mountains that are so high that if you get up too high, the atmosphere changes and there's not, the snakes can't go beyond that atmosphere, that altitude, because of how high it is. I believe that when we ascend the mountain of the Lord and we enter into His presence, do you know that I can guarantee you this? In His presence, demons don't want to be. You can have all kind of messed up issues in your life, but you get in His presence and there's all things coming off of you. I got set free from a demon when I was in my early 20s. 
I didn't even know I had the demon. I was a Christian. Uh, I had opened myself up to a lot of things, so it really doesn't surprise me that I had a demon, but I didn't know he was there. What I do know is that Kevin Price had come in to do a concert at my church, and this was the most anointed worship I had ever been in in my life, and the presence of the Lord was so tangible. It was like one of my first times experiencing the presence of the Lord like that where he was in, that he was there. And I, part of me was like in ecstasy. But there was something else on me like squirming, like there was, oh my God, I got to get out of here. I couldn't sit still. I was distracted, but yet I was loving it at the same time. It was, the, it was a war going on inside of me. And... Everything in me was trying to get me to get up and run out of the building. I was torn in two because part of me loved what I was feeling and part of me was freaking out. It wasn't me that was freaking out, though. What ended up happening is I decided I'm not moving from the seat. And when I didn't move, I'm sitting there and I'm just sitting in the, in the glory, in the presence of the Lord. They're, he's, they're worshiping Jesus and he, you could feel the Lord. And all of a sudden, I could feel something just come up off my neck. And the, all those feelings of needing to run left me. And I've never felt that again in a church service. I knew I got delivered from a demonic spirit that night in the presence of the Lord. He hated it. He couldn't stand it. A lot of you, I say a lot of you, I don't know that, but many people carry demonic spirits that ride on their shoulders and they've never went, those people have never went above the snake line. God's presence is instant deliverance. That's why if you ever notice when there's a heavy anointing, you might find somebody that falls out and starts manifesting the presence of the Lord. When Jesus shows up, demons scream. You know that? You remember when he visited his, his uh, synagogue in, I think it was his hometown, I don't remember. But there was a synagogue that when Jesus went into after, after his baptism in the, in the, in the, in the Jordan and then, and then going into the desert and all that, when he came back in this power of the Spirit, he walks into the synagogue and all of a sudden someone there in the synagogue begins to scream and cry out through this, this demon I know who you are, son of God. You know, and he's, you know, he's saying these things, and everybody's shocked. And Jesus cast the demon out of this guy right there in the synagogue. You know what's amazing about that is that guy's been going there. I bet you anything he's been going there his whole life. People went to the synagogue. That's what they did. It was part of Jewish life. That's what you do. On Sabbath, you go to the synagogue. And, and on the Sabbath, you couldn't do anything else anyway. So you might as well go to synagogue, right? I mean, it wasn't like you had a lot to do because you got to obey the Sabbath. So this guy had been sitting in that chair for who knows how long, but Jesus shows up and all of a sudden there's a manifestation of something that's been riding this guy for who knows how long. In Jesus' presence, demons will cry out. So that's the first thing we can get is that in his presence, we get free. Now, I've come in here before, had a world of weight on my shoulders. How many of you know, you know how to carry some weight sometimes? Anxiety, depression, worry, 
the weights of life. And I come over here and I sit down and I begin to go through the motions because that's what I start with. You know, I mean, I, I can't make myself. You fake it until you make it. All right. So you get up here and you're like, I need to worship you. I need it to be about you, you know, and I and you start and sometimes you you praise your way into his presence. Sometimes the presence is so heavy, you, you just, you're stepping into it. But I can tell you that every time I've gotten into the presence of the Lord, the first thing that happens, that goes, is worry. I can't be worried when I'm overwhelmed by who God is and His presence. And it's a tangible thing in the sense that you feel it. You don't feel it physically, although you can. You definitely can feel it physically, but there's something internally that begins to happen, and all the weights and the worries and the cares, they, they, Scripture says the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. When we get in His presence, the mountains go away. And a lot of you are carrying too many mountains, and you just need to get drunk in the Lord a little bit. You know, there's a reason why in the book of Acts, when the Pentecost came, they thought they were drunk. They weren't drunk. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible says, do not be, fi- do not be drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. There is something that God compares being drunk to, to being filled with the Spirit. We don't want to be drunk. We know being drunk is wrong. There's nothing wrong with drinking if God allows you to do it. You know, you have to know. John the Baptist was not allowed to drink. Jesus came drinking. Okay, you have to know what God's telling you. But alcohol in of itself is not wrong until you allow it to take, until you start using it and allowing it to take away your uh, control. When you're no longer in control of yourself, the Holy Spirit is in control of you, and you've went too far. But we are com- the Lord does compare the feeling of the Holy Spirit with being drunk because when you get drunk, you lose that, um, what's the word? You lose your, yeah, say one at a time. In, say it? Inhibition, that's right. You almost become like a child again. You almost don't care what people think. You're not looking at yourself anymore. I'm not encouraging us to go get drunk so that we're, but there is something and let, you know, that about coming like a little child where we're not aware of ourselves anymore. And we get filled with the Holy Spirit. We get filled with the presence of God. And all of a sudden, woo, I don't care what people think no more. <laughs> you know, it's funny how you can, a drunk man can sing a song that he would never sing until he had had a few. You know, when you get drunk, you do things you just wouldn't do if you hadn't had a few. There's a, they call it liquid courage. But that's the, that's the counterfeit. The real is the presence of God being filled with the Holy Spirit. Feeling His presence. There is something that comes over you, and that's liquid courage. That's spirit courage. All of a sudden, you can do things you wouldn't do. I want to live in His presence. I want to... Let's talk a little bit more about what His presence does, and then I want to 
I, I want to um, wrap it up, but in his presence, the Bible says that the mountains melt like wax. All the mountains you carry, so that's one of the things the presence of the Lord does. It drives away your worry. It dry, You can't, all that lack of peace you get in his presence is gone. Another thing that the presence does, do you know that in his presence you grow in humility? In thy presence, or I'm sorry, humble yourself in the presence of the Lord that you may be exalted in due time. Getting in his presence will bring an instant humility. It's like a deflator of everything we are because we're consumed and wrapped up with everything he is. In his presence, no man can stand in the glory. Y'all know that? Y'all know the scriptures where the priests couldn't enter the temple to stand? That no one could stand. Why? Because we can't stand up in his presence. I can't exalt myself in his presence. It's impossible. It's impossible because I'm consumed with who he is. I feel him. Does that make sense? I had a, um, when I was young, I used to be, youth, I was the first youth pastor at Morningstar, started their youth group back in 96. And I did it for two years and then I took a break and then I started to do it again with two other of my uh, fellow youngsters there. Um, there was a, a, a guy named Vito Chung and a, and a lady, Trisha Dorn, uh, who were, we, we both went to church there. But there was a lot of jockeying going on between us. There was a power struggle. Who's in charge? Because we were being told to do this together under the leadership of the children's ministers, which was Bobby and Ginger Hussey. I had already been the youth pastor before. Um, and I thought I was about to be it again. And then as soon as I started to do it, it got pulled out from underneath me. And I was asked to do it with these two other people in conjunction with them. We do it together. We had a big power struggle going on. I did not. They did not. We were fighting uh, in our, you know what I mean? You know you can't come out and just fight because that ain't Christ-like. But it's all that evil is going on inside you nevertheless. You're like, I want to be in charge my way. You know, and so you could feel this jockeying, and I, I, I joke that we didn't even like each other. I think it wasn't that we didn't like each other, but we, we were not going to be friendly because we all wanted our way, all three of us. We were young, and um, so what we, de we decided that we would go and we would start spending an hour in prayer together before we tried to do anything. And we went into a room, and we just sat down, and we started seeking the Lord together. I cannot believe what happened. God showed up. We started praying and seeking the Lord together, and His presence would come. We humbled ourselves in His presence. All of a sudden, I didn't care who led. <laughs> I just love these guys. I fell in love with them, and I humbled myself. Why? Because in his presence, I couldn't stand up. When we began to seek the Lord together, his presence came, and it changed all of us, and I love these guys. still love them. Um, there was something that was a bond of, of brotherhood that was made in his presence because when we come into your presence together, there's a bond where you're bonded together, and it's the bond of the Spirit.
that the Scripture talks about in His presence. So humility will come if you will get in His presence. Uh, Psalms one sixteen or Psalm sixteen eleven. In Thy presence is fullness of joy, and at Thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Much of your our issues are a lack of joy, spiritual joy, Holy Spirit joy, the joy of the Spirit. Have a drink. <laughs> you get filled up with His joy. You start drinking from that well of the presence and the Spirit of God, you will feel the joy of the Lord because in His presence is fullness of joy. If you're not full of joy, it's because you've gotten away from His presence. Because in His presence is fullness of joy. You know that? It's impossible to be in His presence and not have joy. Impossible. You can't do it. So if you're not having joy, it means you're not in His presence. Get in His presence. Worship Him. See, a, a lot of the things that, the way to get that, well, remind me to talk about how to get this to come. I want to go through a couple more things before I get there. Uh, Acts 3.19. It says that, uh, I'll just read it. Where's Acts? Let's get down. Acts is, uh, in Acts 3, Peter's preaching. I believe this was the first sermon that he preached. Um, well, no, it's the second. It's the second one. Sorry. Um, and it says he's telling the people, therefore, repent and return, so that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That word "refreshing," you know what that means? It's refreshing. It's revival. It's revival. When we pray for revival, to have someone revived, you, some of us need to be revived. You know, be born again again. I mean, you're not really being born again again, but you're being brought back into the newness and the freshness of what it means to be born again. You're being revived, revival. We want revival in here. We want the presence of God in this place. We want miracles happen. We want signs and wonders coming. We want people being delivered of demons. We want healings and miracles and prophecy getting released. We want God breaking out and doing things that, we, that, that blow the Bible away. Yeah, I said it, and I meant it. You know why I can say that? Because Jesus said, the works I do, ye shall do, and even greater works shall you do because I go to the Father. Jesus said that, not me. I have a vision for seeing greater things than Jesus did done in this place. I want that. How do you do that? You seek his presence first. In his presence, this stuff gets released. And the way that's going to happen, the one we get revived People get revived. They get set free. They get healed of their diseases. They get, it's in his manifest presence. That's where it is. Everything flows out of his presence. And that's why this is our goal, that we would seek first his presence. Now, how do we do that? Because I want all those things. I think the number one thing that brings His presence is people who are hungry for His presence. That's why we need to be individually experiencing His presence. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't believe you can experience His presence 
by yourself as well as you can experience His presence with people. I do believe you can have amazing and super high encounters with God by yourself. I do. But there is something about where two or three are gathered in my name. When His body comes together, it's like, you know, it talks about how the anointing oil would fall on Aaron, how blessed and how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil that's poured down on the head. Jesus is the head. And it runs down the beard and down to the body. When we dwell together in unity. See, Jesus told, or God talking to Jesus, and Jesus talking to God before Jesus was, became a man at the Tower of Babel, He told the people that He's talking, He says, look at these people and what they're trying to do. He's like, they're in unity. And nothing that they want to do will be impossible for them. Why? They were one mind. You know, when the Holy Spirit fell, it says that they were all of one mind and one accord. See, when the Spirit comes, when I got in His presence with those other two people, my agendas got dropped because I got in His presence. My junk didn't know. (laughs) Just let it go. We get in His presence together. No longer it's about me having the songs I want or me having this or me having that. It's not me, 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 me. It's a God conscience. It's a God focus. It's the power and presence of God coming in our midst that all our junk gets dropped and now we want Him. We feel Him and we want Him and now we're in unity. When the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is poured out and the presence of God comes, there is a unity. And in that unity, nothing is impossible. Nothing. I think the faith that we want to see that sees mountains moves, you know, we have mountains that sometimes don't move because we don't have the faith. Some of that faith is a corporate faith that when we come into the unity of the Spirit that happens when the, the Spirit of God is poured out on a place, now miracles can happen because our faith has risen up because we're in His presence. Doubt don't like His presence. It's got to go. And so I'm trying to cast a vision, guys, for us valuing this thing so much that when we come in here, we don't come in here dragging. Now I know, you know, I'm dragging today. I'll be honest. I've been sick this past week. I'm dragging. So I'm not, I'm not being ungracious. I know we're going to have days. But when we come in here with an expectation of meeting with God, what would happen if every heart of this people that go to this church come in here with an expectation of meeting with God and you're not going away without being fed. And I don't mean being fed with this word, although that's important. I'm talking about being fed with the bread of His presence. You remember the priest had to put out the bread of His presence in the, in the temple. That's part of experiencing God. It's, it's faith, seeking His face, seeking His presence. And in that place, um, we're to have a feast. We're to have a feast on the presence of the Lord. So that's our number one goal. And so what that means is, is that when we come in here, I'm not seeking for your will to be done. I'm seeking that His will be done. Which means he may, want to worship, he may want us to worship for three hours. And if you're in here just to be entertained or just to get something for yourself in a way that's carnal, not, you know, I mean, we should be wanting something for ourselves. It's his presence. 
but if it's a carnal thing, I want to be entertained. I want my flesh to be stroked. You know what I mean? If that's our motivation, you're going to get ran out of this church, not by me, but because we're not going to be doing what you want us to do. Because our goal is to encounter him, to experience him. And in that place, I believe we have amazing things that are going to be done. I believe that we are shifting right now, even as I speak, not, not because I'm speaking, but just because of the season we're in, that we're having a shift right now, and there's a shift that's going on in our, in our, in our world and in, the, in, the, in our, our church. I do believe what I said a few weeks ago about the Lord's wanting to plant us now. Um, I want to grow our church, but not for the sake of growing our church. I want to grow our church because God's in our midst and I want more people to experience it. But I'm not going to seek for people to come. I'm going to seek for God to come. What if we decided when we come in here that we're going to do everything we can to make this a place where God is welcomed and what His desires are being met? I can promise you if you make this a place where God wants to come, people will come. The ones that, want, that, that, enjoy, that appreciate him. And the people that don't, you know, I, 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 ain't, I ain't got nothing for you because that's all I want is his presence. Amen? So if you wonder why we worship the way we do, if you wonder why we allow worship to sometimes go and sometimes even overrun the... the the speaking time or the ministry time. If God's wanting that that morning, that's what he gets. Sometimes God getting what he wants means I don't get what I want. But I'm okay with that. Are y'all going to be okay with that? Amen. So this is the first part of our vision. Um, I'm tempted to play a song, but I'm not, I don't think I'm going to do it. But it, Don Potter wrote a song called Show Me Your Face, and he preaches this message through the song, really. And it's, uh, so he wrote it better than I can preach it, but that's the goal, you know, getting lost in his presence, seeking his face. And Lord, we just say that. We, how many would be up for making a commitment and a dedication to the Lord that we dedicate this place to him to just to seek his face? and his desire, and that we would make this a place where he is welcome. And if you think that's odd, remember Jesus in Revelation comes to this church and he knocks on the door. Jesus is knocking on the door of his own church, and he says, if anyone will hear and will open up, I will come in and meet with you and dine with you. How many is up for that? Lord, we commit this place to you. Lord, we dedicate this church to you. This is your church. It's not my church. This is your church. This is your body. And Lord, we want you to be head of this place. We want your desires to be met here. Lord, we want to be people that lay down our desires and we seek your desires. 
that we seek you to be head of your church, to a place where you are worshipped, a place where your desire is fulfilled, Lord. And we're asking today, Lord, we want your presence in our midst, and we're not going to go up without it, Lord. Just like Moses prayed, Lord, don't send us up without your presence. I'm asking today, and I believe this church is asking, Lord, don't send us up without your presence. Lord, let your presence be in this place in a tangible way. Lord, show us your face. Show us your presence. All right, so that's, that's number one. That's the thing that we're pursuing, number one. We'll get to number two next week. But let me encourage you all, seek His presence daily. Seek His presence in the morning when you get up. Seek His presence. Be presence seekers. Your life will never be the same. I promise you. Amen.